Thank you. But for the blood. Praise God for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, this morning. Hebrews in chapter number 12. As you're finding your place there in the book of Hebrews, I want to talk to you this morning about running your race. Run your race. How many of you like to run? Any runners here? Man, you can run for me. I don't want to run. I don't believe in running. Running's against my religion. I'm not a runner. I, in grade 11, my Christian school that I attended, we had a, a soccer team and we had a basketball team. Uh, very successful, both of those teams. But the school decided to start a track team, track and field. They'd never had a track and field team before. Uh, so they started to get into the track and field program. So they had people volunteer to try out for the track and field. And there were two of us. It was me and a friend of mine, Jason Chang. Jason was a runner. He was like a rabbit, man. That guy could run. He was fast. I didn't run. I, I tried out to, to throw the, the discus and to put the shot. You know, that's where you, you stay in one location. You spin around a little bit, but you don't run anywhere. Uh, you just kind of throw things. I mean, that's, that's kind of fun, you know, spinning around and throwing things. So we went to our first track meet with other Christian schools. and It was just the two of us, and we had to enter, I can't remember how many different events, for us to be qualified to, to compete in the following year as we were starting a program. Now, the next year, they had a very large track and field team at that school, but it was just Jason and I. And I went to throw him with a discus and throw the shot put or put the shot. And Jason ran, I can't remember, maybe 100 meter, whatever, a couple of the short races. And he pulled a hamstring. And he was in pain. I remember seeing his face. Ah, he's screaming. And I'm like, you big baby, get up and keep running. But he didn't. <laughs> and Coach Burleson came to me. And he said, Brian, Jason was supposed to run the mile event. He can't run. We have to enter that event to have enough events to be able to compete next year. So I need you to run a mile. I punched him in the mouth. No, I said, Coach, I can't run. I said, you know me, I'm not a runner. He said, I know. He said, but I need you to do it. I said, okay. Now, running is a very strong word for what I did. Running would imply that I was moving very quickly. Uh, I, I moved very quickly for a portion of that mile. The race was over for about three hours by the time I finally got to the finish line. The event was over. All the buses were loaded. Everybody left. But I had to run the race. I wasn't the fastest runner. And, and let me let you in on a secret. I was the slowest runner. But I did run. I did compete. I did finish the course. Now, I almost had a heart attack. My lungs were collapsing. I was dragging. I barely made it, but I did run. I want to talk to you this morning, Christian, about running the race. Look, if you will, here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore... Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3. For consider him, Jesus. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray together. Lord, as we talk about the race this morning, I pray, dear Holy Spirit of God, that you would direct our minds and our hearts. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that is unsure of their eternal destiny, if there be one here that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray today that they would know the greatest news that any person could ever hear, that you love them, that you came, became flesh for them, that you lived a perfect sinless life, that you went to Calvary sinless and spotless, and yet you died and were buried and rose again to pay their debt, that they might have their sins forgiven, that they might believe, that they might have eternal life. Lord, I pray for believers this morning. Lord, I pray we would realize the importance of the race. Lord, that we would imagine those great cloud of witnesses watching and cheering us on. And Lord, most of all, we would consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners that we would consider Christ. Lord, would you help us? We need you today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now, I haven't been in a race, a real race, ever since. I, I was, though, in that one official race when I was 17 years old. But I am, and if you're a Christian, you are, we are in a race. The Bible talks about it here in Hebrews chapter 12. But I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and would you turn to Matthew chapter number 7. And I want to discuss something that is pivotal, foundational for this matter of running your race. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be to find it. Number one, if you're going to run your race, you have to start the race. I want to talk about starting the race. Now, if we're going to run our race that God has for us, we have to enter in at the right place. The Bible says that there is a broad entrance, a wide entrance into hell and into destruction. And then it speaks of the way to heaven. Uh, the way to enter in is a narrow place. And the Bible says, few there be that find it. Now, if the Bible says there many go in at the wide gate into destruction and hell, and few find the gate to heaven or to a life eternal in that straight gate, it is only logical to assume that most people haven't found the straight gate. Now, if that's logical to assume, and I believe it is, then it is possible that gathered in this room today, there's somebody who has not yet entered in in the straight gate. Now, I know that the world would say, well, hey, we're all going the same direction. There's all kinds of roads and all kinds of ways that lead to God. And I find my way and you find your way. And people over here, they find their way. But we're all going to end up at the same place. Now, that sounds wonderful. And I wish that were true, but that is a lie. Now, that is about as true as a campaign promise. In other words, it's not. The Bible says... There are two ways. And that's it. There's no third option. There's no... Two ways. Remember the old TV show, game show? Some of you older folks like myself might remember. Let's make a deal. Let me remember that. Remember you'd have a, a door here with 
Maybe you could see what was behind that door, and, and you could choose that, or you could have this door, or this door, and you had a choice. Uh, you know what, Monty, I'll, I'll take that door number three. There is no door number three. The Bible says, and, and it's not a surprise, it's not a man, I don't know what's behind that door, I don't know what's behind that door. The Bible says there are two only. And the Bible is very plain that behind one door, the narrow way, the straight gate, is life eternal. And the Bible says, few there be that find it. And the Bible speaks of that broad way, that open way. Hey, everybody, just whatever way you want to go, that's the way. The Bible says it leads to destruction. But it says in verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. I want to ask you a question. I, if you would for a second, would you pretend that you and I are just sitting at a table somewhere, drinking coffee, just having a conversation between the two of us? And if I ask you this question, I want you to think about it in your mind, what you would answer if you and I were having that conversation privately somewhere. If I said to you and asked you the question, do you know for sure? Do you know for sure if this life were to end for you today? If you were to take your last breath in this world? Do you know if you're ready to if you're on your way to heaven? Or would you wonder? I don't know. Would you be 100% sure that when you close your eyes in this world, you'd open them in a place called heaven? Or would you have some doubt about it? I'm not going to ask you to answer that here publicly. But I wonder as you're thinking about that question right now. I wonder if there's even one here that would, in your mind, you're saying, Pastor, I, I don't know for sure. I'm not positive. I'd like to know. I'd like to be confident. I'd like to know that when this life is over that I'm going to be in heaven. Because there are only two options. It's heaven or hell. It's eternal glory or eternal damnation in a place uh, where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Yes, hell's a real place. Not just a swear word you use when you get mad. It's a real place. By the way, it's not a, it's not a joke of a place where there's a guy with horns and a pitchfork. No. It's a real place, prepared for the devil and his angels, but a real place that every person, every human being, born, born a sinner. Not only was I born a sinner, I chose sin, and so did you. I deserve hell. I deserve the damnation of hell forever. But, praise God, there is a narrow way. There is a straight gate. If you say this morning, Pastor, I don't know. I'm not sure. Can I tell you the Bible is very plain. That man who was at his wit's end, he was ready to kill himself. By the way, when someone is ready to take their own life, they've given up all hope. And how sad and how difficult and horrible that is. I, I've preached funerals for folks who had no hope, they thought, and took their own life. And how difficult it is in the family and how sad that brokenness. Some of you, sadly, you know that kind of brokenness. Maybe a friend or a family member. Maybe you've been there yourself. Maybe you thought, man, I just don't want to live anymore. Can I tell you that there's hope? And the hope is Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that man that was ready to take his own life? We simply know him as the Philippian jailer. Not the Filipino jailer, the Philippian jailer. <laughs> Had it been a Filipino jailer, he'd have been eating balut instead of trying to kill himself. <laughs> but he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? This morning, if I sat across the table and asked you that question and you said, Pastor, I don't know, I'd like to. The logical next question you would ask is, what do I have to do to know that? How can I have that confidence? The Bible says the answer 
given to that man, the Philippian jailer, was to believe. To believe the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To believe in the payment that Jesus made for you. We can't even talk about running the race for Christ this morning if you're not in the race. If you haven't entered in. When coach came to me, Coach Burleson said, Hey, Brian, I need you to run. I said, Man, I, I, I'm not supposed to run. He said, I know, but I'm going to put your name on the list. You're going to fill in for Jason. You're going to go. He said, Hey, come with me. Hey, get over here. I've never been on a starting block before. Do I look like I know what a starting block looks like in a race? I do not. Uh, you put here, and I'm like, What am I doing here? I had to get out on the, the course, I had to enter the race. Dear friend, before you can run the race, you have to enter it. You have to start by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you don't know him, you can. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not about your works. It's not about religion. It's not about any good thing you do. It's simply believing and receiving the gospel. I said, number one, we talk about starting the race. Number two, I want to talk about getting ready. Getting ready for the race. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 back in our text. There in Hebrews it speaks about getting ready or preparing for the race. Wherefore, in verse 1, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Christian, this matter of running the race is not about you running and, and being good enough to get to heaven. My salvation is based on faith alone, grace alone. But God has a course for us to run. And God has a purpose for your life. And just like a runner is going to run a race, a runner has things that would slow him down. You know, you don't see a runner, a competitive runner. Uh, now, you may see him training this way, but you won't see a competitive runner in a race running with a parachute behind him. That'd be pretty dumb. Now, that's about how fast I ran like I had a parachute behind me, but you're not going to see that. You're not going to see a runner running with big combat boots on. You're not going to see them uh, having a big backpack, uh, you know, a 100-pound pack frame on their back. Okay, I'm ready. Ready? Whoo! Man, I'm going to run. No. You lay aside every, every weight which does so easily beset you. You know, in the, the racing world, in car racing, you know, you don't take the heaviest possible equipment and Heaviest vehicle and heaviest engine. Now, there is no uh, replacement for displacement. I understand that. Uh, but even with big engines, you want aluminum blocks you gotta, or aluminum heads. You want to save weight where you can. Uh, you want to save body panel weight. You take extra seats. You want all the weight as much as possible gone. You have a, just enough fuel in the fuel tank to run the race you're in because all the extra weight, it hinders you. Christian, a lot of us are hindered. A lot of us aren't ready for the race God has for us. A lot of us are weighed down by sin. We're, we're weighed down, as the Bible says there, with weights that beset us. And you and I, as believers, we're in the race, but we're not successful in the race. Some of you are struggling. Some of you feel like, man, every day I'm fighting a losing battle. Every day I feel like I'm just going uphill and I'm getting nowhere. It may be because we, we haven't gotten ready. We haven't taken inventory of the things in our life that are holding us back. Wrong thoughts. Wrong actions. Wrong attitudes, wrong friends, wrong entertainment, <coughs> wrong connections, wrong appetites, things that keep us from running the race. We need to get ready. This morning, we need to say, hey, what do I need to lay aside? 
What is it that is keeping me from running the race that God has for me? Number three this morning, would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. Verse 27 says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Number three, being disciplined in the race. Being disciplined in the race. When I was in grade seven, I had the opportunity to join the wrestling team for the Point Pleasant Junior High School. And I, I, was, a, uh, I was a Point Pleasant uh, Junior High School redskin back then. Now my skin is less red. But I, I was a wrestler. I joined the wrestling team. And I, I wrestled in the 145-pound weight class in grade 7 at 12 years old. Uh, that's why I can say I was a Filipino when I was in, I was a Filipino man at grade seven. I, I was five foot six and 145 pounds. Now, I grew up, like some of you, watching the WWF. How many of you know what I'm talking about? W- I mean, I thought that was wrestling. Man, my favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan. He had the, the 24-inch pythons, man, he, man, jumping off the top ropes, and man, the elbow drop, you know, all of that. I thought, that's wrestling. <laughs> now, I, I knew real wrestling, but I, I remember thinking, man, when, I, when we're wrestling, we're going to get to wrestling, uh, very first wrestling practice, man, I'm going to jump off the top ropes. I'm going to do a flying kick into someone's face. Uh, I'm going to body slam somebody. I didn't get to do any of that stuff. Man, that wasn't allowed in wrestling but I didn't even wrestle the first one or two or three practices I don't know why they called it wrestling we didn't wrestle the first practice I went to they called it conditioning training I called it we want to kill you because we hate you they made us run the bleachers the football stadium top of the bleacher across the bleacher down 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 the next row up down until everyone was puking and everyone was dying and people were crying and guys were going home. Uh, they were, I think they were trying to eliminate. I think they only had so many wrestling uniforms and they had more guys than they had uniforms for. So they were trying to get rid of as many people as possible. They almost got rid of me, but I stayed. We never wrestled. We just ran and ran and did all the, oh man, it was horrible. I wouldn't go back and do that for all the money in all the world. And then the next, we finally got on the mats and I'm like, man, now. I can show my wrestling prowess. You know, I, I was built for this. I watched Hulk Hogan beat all those guys. I know how to do it. And I'm waiting to learn these wrestling moves. And that next wrestling practice, as we finally got to the mats, all we did was duck walks and all these moves for balance. And, and I'm like, what is this for? You know what it was for? It was so we learned how to control our body and how to, how to keep that balance when we're under attack. And obviously, I didn't learn well because I lost my first match in my first wrestling match. There wasn't even any ropes for me to jump off of. I, I didn't keep myself under subjection. And Christian, can I tell you, a lot of us, we don't like to be disciplined in running the race. We want to do whatever we want to do. We don't want to obey the word of God. We, we, want to do what we, we want to do what we like and say, hey, God, you disapprove what I want. God, you, just, you disagree with me that what I want is best. When God says, I want you to be disciplined. Just like an athlete, a, a real athlete knows that they have to be in subjection. They have to keep themselves under themselves. They have to be disciplined. Christian, you and I need to be disciplined in our race. By the way, not because we, we got to make sure we make it to heaven. That's settled. 
but the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Not, not so I can't do that because then God won't love me anymore. No, that's settled. God decided he loved you long before you were created. The Bible was settled in heaven before the foundation of the world. That's settled already. Rather, I need to be disciplined so I can be effective in showing my love for God and in being a testimony to others and that I not be a castaway or a stumbling block for somebody else. I've got to be disciplined. There are some things in the Bible we find that God says, Thou shalt not. There are some things the Bible tells us, Thou shalt. Some things God wants us to do. The Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts, but there are some do's and don'ts in the Bible. There's some pretty black and white about thou shalt and thou shalt not. Uh, things that we ought to do with our life and things we ought not do with our life. And we need to be disciplined by the word of God. You know, an athlete is disciplined in their diet. You know, they're not going to eat horrible things. They're, if they're an athlete, a professional athlete, very disciplined in what they're eating. They're going to make sure that what they consume doesn't affect them for the wrong. Now, if you're just an armchair quarterback and you sit in your recliner and you watch and talk about the athletes, uh, Brother Bonnie, uh, you're going to eat all kinds of stuff because you're not competing. You're not on the field. Man, I can watch a sporting event. I can watch uh, a couple of guys fighting, uh, boxing or MMA. I man, I mean, you ought to grab that guy's leg. You ought to do this move. That's easy to say when I'm sitting watching them while I be, I'm eating chicken wings. I'm relaxing my feet back. Man, give me, a, give me another bowl of fried potatoes while I watch this. But an athlete has to be disciplined. Christian, if we're to run the race that God has for us, we need to be disciplined in our actions, disciplined in what we allow into our body, into our mind, into our heart. Things we hear, things we see, we need to be disciplined. We need to bring ourselves into subjection to the law of Christ. Number four, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We see a couple of things here in Philippians. Number four, we see pushing forward in the race. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Christian, can I tell you what we do sometimes? Sometimes we, in the race, we're, we, we lay aside some weights and sins that do so easily beset us, and we stay disciplined, and we go a ways in the race, living for Christ, and eventually we look around and go, I've come farther than anybody else. I, I, I've been doing this for a while. I mean, there's some people, man, those people, they're, they're, they're not doing what I'm doing. And we sit down. We stop pushing forward. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not on our way to heaven. We're not saved. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us anymore. It doesn't mean that uh, we have no hope. But it means that we've stopped. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, we have a great cloud of witnesses watching us. Cheering us on, if you will. Hey, you can do it from the courts of heaven. And yet a lot of times we stop. We quit. One of the most epic, epic things ever seen in sports. During the Olympics years ago, a man fell in a race. As he was running, he fell down. There was no hope of him winning a medal. There was no hope of him getting gold, silver, bronze. There was no hope of him getting a plastic medal. And yet he got up. 
and he kept running. Very few people could remember who got gold that day or who got silver or who got bronze. But everyone who has seen that video or watched it live in the live presentation on TV or was there in person never forgot the man who got up and kept running. Christian, some of us, we stop pushing forward. We get discouraged. We get disillusioned. We get hurt. We get bitter. We get angry. We feel unappreciated. We, we for whatever reason, the devil convinces us, I just quit. Philippians reminds us here, reaching forth to those things which are before. The very first car accident I ever had, I've had a couple. The first one I had was on my 18th birthday. I went to school and I had to be at school until 10.30, 10.30. I was done with school and I worked a full-time job. I say full-time, I worked about 60 hours a week my senior year, but on my birthday that day I was off work. I didn't have work and at 10.30 my classes were done and I just kind of hung around the school and a couple of the girls that were on the yearbook staff said, hey, why don't you take us to go get some, get some film developed? How many of you know what film is? <laughs> the old days. Uh, yeah, I'll take you guys to get film developed. And so they got in the car, my Jeep Cherokee, and we went to drop the film off, went inside, they dropped the film off. We got back in the car. When we got in the car, I, I got in the car, and one of the girls got in the car, and the other girl, she was blonde. I think this has something to do with the story. Uh, she was an airhead. Her name was Sandra. And she was just dragging her feet, going slow in her own little world. And I thought, you know what would be really funny? I'm going to pretend that I'm going to leave Sandra in the parking lot because I wanted to see her run to come at the car. So I looked back at her, and I waved as I started up my car, and I drove away at a high rate of speed to make her think that I was leaving her. I was looking back to see her face. I couldn't wait to see that look of, ah! Actually, it was going to be the look of, I'm going to kill you. That's what I was probably going to see. And I looked back, and I let off the clutch in first gear, and whoop, pop! And I smacked into the side of a Cavalier Type 10. Praise God, nobody was in the passenger seat. Because my front bumper went into the passenger seat of that Cavalier Type 10. <laughs> the driver... <laughs> he looked in sheer terror. Praise God, he was okay. He wasn't hurt. I wasn't hurt. Uh, the girl in my front seat had the audacity to break the windshield with her head, uh, but she was okay. A uh, little bit of blood, but you know, nothing a little bit of tape couldn't fix. But the reason I had the accident, number one, I was stupid. Number two, the main reason, I was looking the wrong way. I was looking backwards while trying to go forwards. Christian, you're always going to fail if you're looking back at your past. You're not going to be successful going forward if you're looking backwards. We need to push forward. We need to focus forward in our race. We need to run our race for Christ. The Bible says, laying aside every weight that so easily besets us, some of that weight is our past. Our past regrets. Our past hurts. By the way, sometimes it's our past accomplishments. We look back and say, man, remember back when I was doing that? And we're not looking what God has for us for the future. Number five, in the same passage here, we see keeping the goal in view. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keeping the goal in view. Sometimes we get off course. 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and testify this morning, but if I did, all of us would have to raise our hand and say, yeah, Pastor, I've gotten off course before. I've gone the wrong direction in my life. I've lost the focus. I remember watching a professional football game one time. The running back had the ball. He was phenomenal running back. And I, this, was a, this would have been the middle 1980s. And he got the ball and was running. And the man, he was an amazing running back. Back then, running backs were kind of small. Nowadays, running backs are bigger than me. But the little running back, the little guy, he had the ball. and He was running, and he got hit. And he took a hit, and he took a hard hit, but he stayed on his feet. It was like a children's top, you know, spinning around. He got hit, and he kept the balance, and he, he got, found his balance, and he kept going. Only problem was he got hit so hard, and he got spun around so far he lost his bearing where he was. And he got popped so hard, you could see it in the, in the replay on his face. He totally lost what was going on. But he kept the balance. He almost went down. He kept the ball, and he tucked the ball in and ran for all he was worth. And the defense didn't try to stop him. His team turned around. His team was chasing him trying to tackle him, trying to stop him, yelling, wrong way! He just kept running down the field. Sometimes we get so busy, but we're busy going the wrong way. We get the idea that the Bible speaks about in Ephesians chapter 6, talks about spiritual warfare. And sometimes we get the wrong focus. We think our spiritual enemies are down here. They're not. By the way, false religion is not your enemy. A false preacher or false teacher is not your enemy. The devil is our enemy. And when we try to fight the wrong enemy, we have the wrong focus. We, we, have, we go the wrong direction. When we veer off of God's plan into our plan, we're going the wrong direction. I told the story a few weeks ago about the first time I ever went to a golf course. And I couldn't hit the ball. I never hit a ball before. I was bored. And I said to the guy I was with, Scott Gross, I'm like, hey, Let's just get in the golf cart. I took off, off-road in the golf cart, golf carts. Had security chasing us. We had a, a low-speed chase on golf carts through a, a high-end golf course, country club. They eventually caught me, Brother Mud, and kicked us out of the golf course. I have a lifetime ban from that golf course. If we ever go golfing, we can't, I'll, I'll tell you the one we can't go to in Indiana. They have my picture up still, I think. They'll fingerprint me when I come in the door. I wasn't allowed to go where I went with that golf cart. I went off course. Christian, are you off course? Are you off course in your relationship with Christ? Are you off course with your relationship with the Word of God? Are you off course in the purpose of your life, of why you live your life? A runner takes every step for one purpose, to hit the goal. The, the runner doesn't say, well, I'll, I'll spin around a few times, then I'll run, then I'll spin around a few times. No. They don't waste the stride. I mean, everything streamlined, every step getting to the goal. We have to keep the goal in view. What is the goal? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The glory of God. He's our goal. He's our perfection. The prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keeping the goal in view. Lastly, would you turn with me to 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 8. I want to talk to you about finishing. Number 6, finishing the race. 
2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And here's what I want you to notice, the last part. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. This race that we're to run, we're not in a race against each other. Amen. I'm not looking at Brother Herman and so, man, I'm going to run the race better than you. Eat my dust, man. I'm going to be a better Christian than you. I'm going to love God more than you. Man, we're, we're in a competition. Not at all. Now, that race that I ran, the only one I ever ran, that mile race, I don't even know who won because I was so late getting across the finish line, I have no idea who got the prize. But they gave one first place prize. They probably gave a second place and a third place, but that was it. I finished. I crossed the finish line. Now, it was dark and three days later, but I crossed the finish line. But I didn't get a prize. Why? Because I was racing against other people. This race we're talking about, the Christian life, is not a race against others. That's right. Amen. Amen. It's not, it's not man, I've got to make sure that I do more than him, or I've got to make sure that... No, it's not a competition. Paul said, I, I've run the race. I've finished my course. My course is not your course. That's right. Now, we're all, we're all to serve Christ. We're all to love him. But my course is not exactly the same as your course. My course is my course. My, my race is my race. Your race is your race. The Bible says there is laid for me a crown of righteousness. Paul said, I've run my race. I've finished my course. And there is for me a crown of righteousness, but not for me only. Not for me only, but for all those. Christian, let's, run it. let's finish the race together. Amen. Let's understand that we're not in a competition. That's right. Along the way, let's help others. Let, let's, let's help lift some folks off the side of the road and say, hey, man, you can do this. Hey, let's encourage one another. The Bible says in Hebrews, uh, the matter of assembling ourselves together, churching ourselves together, so much the more so as we see the day approaching. The reason we're going to do that is to encourage. Hey, man, let's do this. Let's run the race for Christ. Let's live for Him. Let's finish our course. And one day you're going to finish. And by the way, God's not going to, when you die, He's not going to pull out a stopwatch and go, let's see. Okay. Brother Ma's getting ready to die. The pastor writes again. One, two. And no, man. Pretty bad time you got there. I can't let you into heaven. Uh, you didn't finish well. No, I'm looking here. I, I see your course, and you messed up. No. The fact is, we can finish our race. Amen. I'm not going to finish my race to, so I can go to heaven and God, I can be critiqued for my race. The Bible says that we're to finish. Now, we have sometimes some, some bad laps. Sometimes we have some struggles. There are men like the man we know of, simply the thief on the cross. He trusted the Lord from the cross. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy paradise. And we have his testimony. But he never did one religious work. He, he, he could never obey the Lord. He, he couldn't obey the Lord in baptism. He, he, he never went to a, a gathering of believers. Uh, he, he never went to a preaching service. He, he, he never, he simply trusted the Lord. There was laid up for him a crown of righteousness. It's not about living in such a way or running the race in such a way that God will ex accept us with open arms. You understand as Stephen was dying, Jesus stood. 
waiting to receive him. Just as he will for you, just as he will for me. But we need to realize that we need to finish. We need to finish. We need to stay faithful. May we run the race. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to enter in. You need to come to Jesus Christ through the straight gate. The only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can come that way today. Would you trust him this morning? Christian, would you realize the importance of being in the race? Run the race. Stay faithful. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning. Lord, I do pray if there be one here that knows you're not a Savior. Lord, I pray today that they would realize that they can enter in, they can believe, they can trust you. Lord, I pray we'd be ready. I pray we would be laying aside the weights and the sins that are holding us back from honoring you and living for you as we ought and being the kind of witness we ought to be, the kind of testimony we ought to be. God, help us to be disciplined in the race. God, help us to follow your rules and your plans for us. Help us not to try to make up our own way, but may we follow your way. Lord, it's very tempting to stop. It's very tempting to sit down. Lord, even tempting to go backwards. Peter said, I go efficient. He said, I'm done with this race. Lord, many of us have been there where Peter was. Lord, I pray we'd get back in the race. We'd start pushing forward. God, help us to keep the goal in view. God, help, help us not look to men, but help us look to Jesus Christ. Help us not look to praise, but help us look to your holiness and your righteousness. Help us not look for affirmation of our brothers and sisters in Christ or the world or a family member, but God, may we look for righteousness. And Lord, I pray that we would realize the importance of finishing well, staying faithful. Lord, I thank you for men like Paul who ran their race and finished their course. Lord, I thank you for those who have gone before us. I thank you for that great stadium in heaven watching us and cheering us on even now. The unseen cloud of witnesses, those that ran their race. God, help us to finish our race. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in decisions made here this morning. Lord, I pray that your will will be done. In your precious name we pray. With your head still bowed and eyes still closed, would you stand with me this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed, still in an attitude of prayer this morning, I'm not going to ask you to take a songbook. I'm not going to ask you to sing this morning. But even before the instruments begin to play quietly in just a moment, I want to ask you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, a few moments ago when I talked about that conversation, that I wanted you to imagine that we could have. If you were asked that question today, one-on-one, -on -one, do you know for sure that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Or if your life would end this very moment, do you know that you'd wake in a place called heaven? If the answer to that question is no, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know for sure, but I'd like to. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a moment when the piano begins to play, the organ begins to play, would you leave your seat? Would you come down front and just get my attention and say, Hey, Pastor, I need to get in the race. I need to enter in at that straight gate. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you come this morning willing to accept the Lord Jesus Christ? Christian, during this time of invitation this morning, maybe God has convicted you of some area by His Spirit through His Word about your race. Maybe you've got some distractions. Maybe you've got some hindrances in your race. Maybe you've lost some discipline. Maybe you've stopped going forward. Maybe you've 
got the wrong goal in view. This morning, would you commit to finishing, to staying faithful? Their heads still bowed and eyes closed. The music begins to play. The altar's open. You need to come this morning. You come. You need to come and do business with God. Why don't you come and kneel at this altar at the front? God talked with you through his word and by his spirit this morning. Some of you need to talk with God. Maybe while you're, where you're standing this morning, you need to have a conversation with God in prayer about some struggles, about some hindrances, about some weights. By the way, if you're here this morning and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not know that you're ready to see him. That wonderful news is true. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He shed his blood on Calvary. He died, was buried, and rose again to pay you a price. But he will not force himself on you. He offers to you. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But he won't knock, he won't knock your heart's door down. He's going to wait for you to open it. And by the way, he won't keep knocking forever. This morning, you're under conviction of your need of a Savior. Can I tell you that conviction will not always be there? There will come a day when that knocking at your heart's door will stop. If he's knocking right now, would you answer him? Would you call on him? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. I thank you for the opportunity we have to live for you. Lord, I'm glad it's not a competition. I'm glad it's not me against someone else. Lord, rather, I can live to honor you. And Lord, you have placed the steps before me. God, help me to live and run the race you put before me. God, would you work in hearts even now. Lord, I pray that your will will be done in every life. Bless us now. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Dismiss us with your grace. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.